Hello, sports fans. This is your host, Ray Silva. This week's guest on the South Texas Border Sports Podcast comes from the Bay Area in San Francisco, California. He is the current color commentator for Chivas Rayadas de Guadalajara for Telemundo Deportes. His name is Carlos Yutzis. Carlos, welcome aboard. Thanks for stopping by. Hello, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley, and thanks for joining me on another edition of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. Joining me today from San Francisco, California, he works for Telemundo Deportes. He is the color commentary for Chivas Rayadas de Guadalajara when they are in Telemundo. His name is Carlos Yutzis. Carlos, welcome aboard, man. Hey, Ray, how are you? Nice, nice to be with you. Uh, good memories for the, from the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, two years I, I spent over there. Uh, basically started my career on air uh, in Telemundo 40 over there south of the border. And really excited to be with you. And yeah, uh, you know, I I've, I've never thought I was going to be talking about Chivas in, in English when, when, I started, when I started in this. Well, welcome, uh, welcome again, and hey, the Valley will always hold a special place for you for everything that you did uh, with uh, Telemundo 40 down here. Uh, so let's get right to it. You, you know, uh, Chivas uh, made, a, made a coaching change. How has that benefited them uh, so far? I mean, it's, it's tough to, to find results uh, so quick into the season because even though – even though the change happened, I mean, at this point is what five games ago. Uh, still, it's very, it's it's very soon for you to actually notice big changes in in structure in in how Chivas in how Chivas has been developing. I mean, currently, as you and I are speaking, they're actually uh, playing a game against Necaxa. They're tying one one away, and there's just something that is not clicking on the offense, and that's the part that I I I find interesting because this game was this team was developed to be an offensive team and, and certainly it looks like that when you see the formations, but they struggle to create on, on offense and, and we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens. I still think this is a season that you could quote unquote scratch because all the things that have happened with COVID and, and how it's been, how it's been developed, but hopefully it, it, Chivas can turn it around. You know, they've, they've made some very uh, heavy investments to their squad, even prior to the, tournament and even prior to hiring uh, Busatich and with uh, Luis Fernando Tena. Uh, do, do you think that's kind of been an, an influence on some of these guys uh, that they don't go out and, and hire foreigners? They just bring in a purely sold 100% Mexico squad and yet they are a team that's like, ah, you know, they, they can barely uh, generate the offense that they're supposed to. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of having a, a base of Mexican players, I think it, it is possible, but it requires so many levels for it to actually work out because one of the things that Mexico has struggled with, at least in the past couple of years, is, is the, the development of talent. There's very few of them that, that you can count uh, that come out of, of the, on the lower divisions. And most of them end up either going to Europe or going abroad or, or, or maybe not making it after a couple of good seasons. So I think Chivas needs to, needs to really pay attention to that part. Uh, they, they need to be able to 
make their base of their team out of their U17 and their U20, their U20 players because that's, that's going to give them the rhythm to actually build for the future because they're spending a lot of money and obviously teams are, are also taking advantage of that because every time you're going to sell the player, you know, they're, they're only, they're only going to go for your Mexican players. So you actually sell them even, even more expensive than they should. So, um, I mean, yes, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't looked exactly how, how they envisioned it. But now I think the, the key is to, to be patient because that's something that Chivas didn't do in the past. They will burn through like three, four, five coaches in, in a matter of like two, three years. And that's definitely a worse recipe than, than holding on to, to a couple of bad results. And you talk about having patience. And now uh, with Amaury um, Vergara taking over the reins, do you kind of see him being more patient than what his father was as, as far as uh, trying to get results? I mean, it's tough to tell just because he it's, it's, it's very soon. He just started. I mean, he already went through one coach, right? And it, I don't necessarily feel like it was the best way to handle it. However, also, you, you need to realize that Ricardo Pelaez had a lot, a, a lot to say in that, in that structure. So, so I think Pelaez's decision on moving on forward from Tena at, in the third or fourth game of the, of the tournament compared to maybe doing it before the tournament started might not be the best move, but if, we'll see. I mean, the only time can tell. They're still not even though they're not getting the results they expect and, and what expected of them, I mean, you see the three other big teams on the top of the table, right? And you're supposed to be up there with them. Even though that's not happening, they're still in a pretty good place. They're being able to scrap points here and there. They're actually pretty good on defense. So that's something that they haven't suffered from. Uh, and just those mistakes, uh, individual mistakes, whether it's from not finishing plays or the goalkeeping making some mistakes, that's, that's what's been taking a toll on the team. As I'm being joined by Telemundo Deportes, a color analyst for Chivas Arrayas de Guadalajara, Carlos Yutis. Carlos, I got to ask you, today's September 11th, a very sad day for this nation. I've got to ask you, what went through your process when you saw those events unfold? Uh, what, what was your thought process like at the time and reflecting on it nearly two decades later? I mean, uh, I was actually still living in, in, in Mexico when, when this happened. And it was, it was very shocking just because you, back then there was no social media. There was, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm, in a sense, I, I'm kind of glad that there wasn't because information kind of got to us a lot slower from where we were in, in, at that time as, as a country and, and, and with technology, at least in, in Mexico. And it was just, you know, it was just, I think it was shocking to, for, for everybody. It was, it was a turning point on on how we, how we saw things. And then once I, once I moved here, which was only a couple of years later, um, you could see that the, those, those echoes were still, were still fresh in, in, in the memory of a lot of people. I met actually some people that, that had family there or that were, that were part of that. And it's just not something easy to go through. And I mean, now 20 years later, I think it's at the moment that we are, uh, now that I'm part of, of this country, it's just, uh, to understand that 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 feeling of, of sorrow should be should be wide in in other causes, right? We we're struggling in, in a lot of senses as, as a country, and I think you can you can pull from those strings of how does that feel to come together as a nation. And you know, throughout your career, you've been blessed to do a lot of these sports reporting, which you love, 
you've co- you, you've covered RGB Vipers, you covered RGB Toros, you you even got to uh, cover the Qatar team that came to the Rio Grande Valley, uh, which was a fun experience, and you even got to cover a Women's World Cup. What was that? Uh, how did you? Uh, I mean, just the excitement of just being at a World Cup and covering the the Women's World Cup. How, what was that experience like? Yeah, and I actually I think the the previous year uh, to to break it down into into two. I think uh, the previous year I actually got to go to Russia and and I was a field reporter for Argentina, which to me to me was crazy because it was my first World Cup and and you get to follow Messi, right? So. I mean, I was I was very happy. This is something that, that I have been working really for a, for a long time because I have not been on air uh, too long. I I started my career as a as a sports anchor in 2017, but I have been working on, on the business as as a sports uh, as, as in sports television since 2009 2008. So it's almost 12 years running uh, already in in this career, just doing different things. And I've got to cover a lot of, of really fun events, uh, Super Bowls, Mexican finals, uh, qualifiers. But the day you receive that call to tell you they're going to the most important tournament of sports in the world that draws the most people ever, I, I was just really excited. And then my, my jaw just dropped when they were like, oh, and by the way, you're coming to Argentina. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was that part was was really exciting. It was it was a dream come true uh, as somebody who who's played the sport, who's coached the sport, and, and who's seen it outside as a fan and, and and as a professional. And then the following year to be part of what to me right now it's the most important event of women's sports so far because we saw how how far we've come in 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 sports in for women and and. We can act. We were actually able to enjoy these athletes for what they are, and the the the, the crowds they draw, and, and the talent that you could see. I mean, watching that U.S. team was fantastic. That French team that played amazingly. I mean, I keep saying it. That that French team on that World Cup, if you compare it to any men's team in any other World Cups, is probably played the mo- one of the the most beautiful uh, footballs that you could ever see. So. I was really excited to, to, to be part of that and, and, and hopefully that was a turning point so, so women's sports get the, get the attention and, and, and the recognition they deserve. Uh, you, you know, personal story, uh, one of my first uh, like uh, sport events that I ever got to work or even cover as an independent sports journalist was the uh, World Cup qualifiers that, that were at HEB Park with Canada, Jamaica, Costa Rica, and I I can't remember the four, the fourth country. I want to say it was Cuba uh, that mm-hmm. participated in that uh, little tournament. And I was just real surprised just to see how Jamaica was able to qualify to that tournament. And even to see Christine Sinclair uh, even break the record that a couple of years after with the Olympic uh, qualifying t- tournament uh, that happened also here in the Rio Grande Valley, it was uh, such such a fun event to cover and to be at. The, I mean, I, I still get the the chills that down my spine to see how the game has grown, how it's developed. I mean, it it, it was a, a, such a cool thing to even get uh, Christine Sinclair uh, in, in mix zone at the end of the uh, tournament, uh, which was uh, very cool. I mean, one of my personal favorite highlights to get the all time leading world scorer. Uh, 
to qualify for the Olympics. And now, you know, the, the, the COVID stuff, how has that been going for you? Um, like as a person, like what, what's the one thing that you miss the most? Uh, I guess like, well, the thing I miss the most is definitely playing soccer. <laughs> that's, that's at the top of my list. Um, the rest, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hanging in there. I, I see it. It's, it's interesting because when you, when you were able to live a little bit of how athletes live, um, you spend a lot of times in hotels, you spend a little time in, in concentration with your teammates and, and you're, you're locked up. Like you can't go anywhere, especially when you're younger, like, of course they don't let you go out. You go on excursions to the city that you're visiting to the mall maybe, or like to some attraction or, or something. And then you come back straight to the hotel and you're not allowed to leave. So I guess living through that kind of like give me a couple of tools to, to, to feel this. Obviously this, this is a lot longer because uh, it's been drawn out for so many months. And I guess like everybody uh, being a, being a sports a sports anchor and a sports analyst, you miss being at the stadium. You miss, uh, you miss seeing the people, you miss seeing the crowds, the, the noise of the stadium. Uh, that those are things that you miss, but you know, uh, we're, we're at a point where, where it's, it, health is so important and, and how everything has happened. Uh, I, I think it on, on the, on the broader sense. And I, and I understand that, you know, this is, this is how it's supposed to be. And luckily, I think it opened the door for other things like kind of like what you and I are doing um, mm. before you, you wouldn't have thought that you, we could reach out like this and we could always have done it, but now it's like so common. And I think I've been able to actually talk to a lot of people that I haven't talked before. And, and just because I, I never thought that we had technology so, so present. So I think, you know, among the, the, the worst, this is something that we can, we can definitely salvage. I mean, definitely. I mean, I mean, I I started this uh, almost nearly uh, three months ago, and hey, I mean, I, I'm happy that that I was able to start a, a new platform, and, and and just give it the the limited uh, platform that there is here in the valley as far as uh, audio sports talk. Uh, I'm I'm glad you took the time to, to to come in and talk. But now, just uh, moving forward, I mean, what's been the biggest learning curve from? since you started your career in the Rio Grand Valley up to now, what, what's been the biggest like career, um, career swinging uh, moments that you've been able to grasp and, and learn upon and then just continue applying it to your normal everyday job, which is, um, you know, the, the reporting and going to other places that you haven't visited? Um. I think I, I, obviously I wasn't used to this kind of stuff, right? Like I'm not used to being interviewed. I'm usually mm -hmm. the one interviewing, <laughs> which seems to be seems to be more natural. But it, it helps out in the sense that I think um, it has polished a lot of my technical skills. And I, as we move on forward, the, your content is very important. You obviously need to know what you're talking about. But as as a sports reporter, as a as a beat reporter. As a, as a podcaster now, because now uh, we also launch our own podcast here in, in Telemundo 48. All those things, now you need to know it. You need to be able to edit. You need to be able to news gather from where you are. You need to be savvy with the technology, with your lighting. With There's a lot of the things that I think uh, maybe you kind of knew them, but these definitely help you, these definitely help you polish. And that's something that I think anybody who wants to get in, into the business uh, needs to needs to think about because it, it used to be a lot of people think about it kind of like, oh, I just go to the stadium, I watch a game and I can talk about it, I can analyze it. But 
luckily for me, I spent, before I started doing this, I spent eight to 10 years producing. So you learn, especially being on television, time is very limited. So this conversation we're having, I, I mean, in television, I probably will have only two minutes to say all this. So you really need to learn how to edit uh, in, in terms of content. You need to scale it down as much as you can. So you can transmit the same idea in 30 seconds that now I'm doing in five minutes. Uh, so that's, that's that part of stuff. Uh, obviously, you, you got to improvise. Sometimes sometimes things don't go the right way and you need to pull out of somewhere to have that, that more information or, or kind of step in there when something don't, does, doesn't go the right way. And I think those are the, those are the, big, the most important things that, that, that you need to learn and also understand everybody that works around you because it, it usually I was lucky enough that, that also my, my parents were, were actors and they were kind of on camera. So I kind of see how their relationship with the, the technical production people were and the production people were. And you need everybody on the team. So you, you, need, to, you need to learn that everybody's just as important as you. You're just a piece of the puzzle. And the more, the more you're able to, you know, talk, talk things through, plan ahead and, and that kind of stuff, it will, it will help you succeed. You know, I'm, I'm just looking at your background, some of the beautiful scars you have out there, the Oakland Roots, San Jose earthquakes. Let's talk about the earthquakes first real quick. Ah, not, so, not so hot as of recently. They, uh, it looks like Matias Almeida need, needs to, like, gather himself a little bit and try and, try to base his team a little bit more defensively. Is that kind of an accurate assessment of San Jose so far? I mean, it's, it's being a really, it's being a really weird time for the earthquakes just in general, because one of the things that I feel it's, it's taking a toll on them is the fact that a lot of teams were able to start practicing probably like two, three months before they did. Uh, we're still as a county probably allowed them to practice. I think it was maybe five, six weeks ago, like, before, even before the, the Orlando tournament, the MLS is back tournament, they were not able to practice. They actually had to leave early so they could practice a little bit over there so they could have their games. So I think that that takes in, that, that's, that's something you got to take into consideration. Then obviously they got here, we had the fires, the air quality. There's a lot of things going through the minds of the players between COVID, the fires, it's, it's, it's hard. It's, it's not easy. And, and you got to remember also that these, these guys are, are people. They're, they're not robots that just go and play. So I think that's taking a toll on them for sure. Uh, Matias, the one thing that he's fantastic at is that he, he can manage a group properly. He, he, he's very personal with the players. So I don't think there's a problem in that sense. And the other thing, it's a lot of a lot of this team knows there's there's changes coming. Um, the team has has talked about refreshing refreshing the roster and, and maybe making some moves. We don't think it's going to be huge moves just because of the way the, the A's work, which is the same ownership. Like the Oakland Athletics don't tend to bring big names in, mm -hmm. but there's going to be some investment, and the league is moving in huge strides. I mean, you have Lace Matuidi and and Gonzalo Higuain coming to Inter-Miami, who's also not doing very hard, but then all of a sudden it's getting like five-star elite players. So that's something, that's something that needs to happen at some point with, with the earthquakes. But I mean, I don't, I don't put it on Matias and, and definitely, I mean, I, I've seen the guys, I've seen them practice and, and, it, and it's tough. It's, it's tough times. And I feel they probably feel really bad about the results too. Yeah, as I'm being joined by Carlos Yutzis uh, of Telemundo 48 of the Bay Area, San Francisco, San Jose area. Uh, one, of the one of the news is, that came out uh, earlier this week is that 
Oakland Roots may be looking to join the USL Championship and be a part of the Western Conference Legion. I mean, they are the USL Championship is losing a, a few teams, uh, and that may just add more teams to already a he- a heavy Western uh, part of soccer now because you've got Sacramento Republic, which is being moved to MLS now. And then you've got San Diego Loyal with Landon Donovan. You've got Los Dos with LA Galaxy 2. You've got Orange County. And now Oakland Roots uh, uh, making the uh, to the move to the USL Championship. Yeah, and uh, I, I think the Dundee Earthquakes have some... Uh, they're with Reno. Yes, Reno maybe. That's, that's yeah. a, There's a small... So, it's not official. Nothing is official with the uh, with the Oakland Roots yet. I will be really excited uh, if they if they announce it uh, because it's 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 such a cool uh, franchise in in general. I mean, they're very community oriented. Uh, I I they're they're part of pop culture and in in urban in very in very, in a lot of senses. There you can see it with their jerseys. Uh, I mean. Matt Wolf, who decided designed their jersey, who designed the Nigeria jersey, like that part of the urban uh, hip hop Oakland area swag kind of comes in, and they have a very big following. I mean, um, you've seen it. it over there in the RGB. The tourists have a beautiful stadium, and, and they struggle to fill it out. Uh, and here's if they could actually build a, a it won't be a, a huge stadium, probably around like a five thousand, seven thousand seater, like like the RGB Toros are, um, I'm sure that'll be, that'll be packed up the lights, up to the lights, because th- these guys are really like the team. And, and there's, there's that swagger with it, and also the fact that they, they return so much to the community. If they could grow that part, I think it'll be a great example for the, for the rest of the teams in the USL and, and things that could be done as a, as a franchise, too. As I'm being joined by Carlos Yutzis of Telemundo 48, it, you know, this is, you know, you, you've mentioned that that they, that they have such a, a very pop, iconic uh, look to their team. You think that's a little bit missing to, for the Toros? I mean, you, you've seen them a little bit here in the Valley. Do you think that uh, that might be missing, just that little spark, so that, that creativeness that, that they uh, lack? I don't think it's more the, on the creative side from, mm-hmm. from Toros. Uh, the RGB is, is a tough market in the sense that uh, we have a lot of people, for example, like in my case, uh, there's a lot of people who, who are like me who probably move to, move to the RGB from other places and, and they kind of hold their culture very dearly. So you see a lot of Tigres fans, you see a lot of Monterrey fans. I mean, the only time I saw that stadium packed uh, from the two years I, I lived there was when Chivas played Santos. So you can tell that it's kind of like not letting go of that part. And, and I think that's something that the Toros, Toros struggle a little bit with it. And that's something that they can copy from the roots in the sense of that's exactly why the roots are called the roots. Like know your roots. They, they, make, you, they make you be part of what it means to be from Oakland. So it, and most of their players are from the Bay Area. So I think that's something that, that the RGB is doing well in the sense of trying to develop uh, homegrown talent, make, make sure that, that the players who are playing are, are from there. Obviously, that relationship they have with the Dynamo kind of messes up a little bit because sometimes the Dynamo will send some players that they acquire. But if they can, if they can 
make that that idea of community and, and, and make make sure that it represents what 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 the RGB is and, and a lot of the people who are actually from there. Uh, I think that's that's that will be a, a good a good approach. I mean obviously it's it's tough because they also to to get to that level of the mad wolf designer <laughs> <laughs> they will need to find something that will break that barrier of, of making it past uh, a, a local team. And, you know, I, I got to ask you, uh, being the Valley native that, that I am, what, what are the three top things that you miss here from the Valley? Um, no, no, do, specific, no specific order. The, so I'm trying to think, what, what could I start? Where, where could I start? I think the the very first thing that I will say, it's a amount of delicious food you can acquire in a mile radius. Um, it's crazy how you can find anything <laughs> in so little space. Uh, obviously, the, the here, here, we, here in the Bay Area, we have very good Mexican food, but being close to, to Reynosa and, 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 and that kind of seafood is also, is also fantastic. Um, and then from there, it's just... Uh, how how people enjoy the little things because obviously here you have access to a lot of a, a lot of more stuff and I think over there things are more simple and and it's easier to to enjoy you know just a day uh, at, a, at a small park or maybe you know just go out and and, and and be with your friends like at your home or make a carne asada like all those things I think I think something I missed. Oh man, I mean I can definitely re relate to. Having those get-together with friends and the carne asada with watching sports. I mean, that's something that I, I definitely do miss. And, you know, that's what kind of a COVID has taken away from me, aside from from the local sports uh, that, that I usually tend to cover. Carlos, I want to thank you so much for joining me tonight. Uh, stay safe, man. And, and, again, this is your home once again. If you ever want to feel like popping on, let me know and uh, we'll get it arranged. Absolutely, and th thanks for the invite. And and like I mean, I mean I've I've been invited to a couple of podcasts in the in the past month. And and the thing that I would say is like thank you for the opportunity. Obviously, um, you are kind of like the new era of of content creation. So so I really I really appreciate that from from that sense. It's great that, that you guys have a platform. And uh, yeah, just uh, anytime. And obviously, remember that if you wanna wanna see more of me too, uh, you can you can join our, our new podcast too. It's called Deportes al Detalle. You can find it on Telemundo 48 or telemundoareadelabahia.com. And then obviously, join me for the Chivas games on the secondary audio option if you cho if you choose to awesome. listen to it in English. Thanks, man. I mean, that's uh, that's normally what I do because usually when I I tend to oh. Uh, work with people or, or know people I, I usually tend to to give them that leniency like you know what oh, forget about it I, I don't want to watch Spanish give me the English side I, I just flip it but th thank you once again man and uh, congratulations on the move to San Francisco uh, wish you nothing but the best moving forward and good luck with the uh, podcast I'll, I'll be bookmarking it on my iTunes store absolutely thank you Ray and, and we'll, we'll talk soon all right thank you Bye. Bye-bye.
Hello, sports fans. Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, Ray Silva. Be tuned next week for another great episode as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.